Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Kirk. Hello, hello. What's your superhero name, Kirk? Probably Captain Kirk. I like it. Just stealing it from the Star Trek Enterprise. That's good. There's lots of stealing in superhero uh, superheroes. Captain Marvel. I think Shazam was originally Captain Marvel, and now That's right. there's Captain Marvel. Um, Wade uh, Wade Wilson and Slade Wilson were <laughs> based on each other in the DC and Marvel universes, respectfully. Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate. It's all it's all a thing. Yeah, they're all just copycats. They are. They are. They're copycats. Uh, I'm your other co-host, Cam. I don't have a superhero name. I'm not super. I wish I was. Well, I think you're a sec- exceptionally super. Thanks. My this superpower matters. would be, no matter what the circumstances, I can always manage to to catapult myself into an existential crisis. I think that's... Because <laughs> that's true. I can do He's that. He's existential man. <laughs> Things could be going fantastic, and I'll manage... I can throw myself into one. Yes. Pretty well, cool. Pretty cool, right? You need the philosopher. Let me get this for our listeners only. I'm wearing a <laughs> tiny owlet cape from PJ Masks. Oh, nice. And, and a makeshift <laughs> uh, Superman mask. Superman doesn't even wear a mask, but that was a Superman mask. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, why, why is... <laughs> <laughs> Why does that exist? I saw the Superman S and it didn't even cross my mind. I was like, well, that's a weird mask. But yeah, he doesn't wear a mask. We got it from some local crafty lady. And uh, I questioned it the very day we got it, but I kept it. And I've been lying to my kids that it's an acceptable mask <laughs> for the past nine years. Nice. I like that. These are the things we have to do every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're here. Kirk was dressed in his superhero garb because we are reviewing... Another superhero movie, this time on the DC side of the house. Uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is the sequel to Shazam! Its predecessor. And uh, the latest movie in, I suppose, the DC Extended Universe, the DCEU, even though that sort of doesn't exist anymore, but also kind of does. So uh, it's a mess. But the great news today as we get into our movie review is that we're going back to spoiler-free reviews. If you listened to our episode earlier this week, we we uh, sort of teased the return to spoiler-free reviews. Um, you can listen to our rationale there, but in short, we just want to make sure everybody is able to listen to all of our episodes. We want to give the deepest analysis, analysis possible, and that was the genesis behind going to spoiler-full reviews, but we feel weird about excluding people from episodes. So we're going back, and... That's fine, because you know what? We just decided that it was. So there you That's go. That's right. So join us for a spoiler-free re- review. I can't even speak to Shazam! <laughs> Fury of the Gods. Yes, and to make things not confusing, I will put spoiler-free in all of the titles of reviews. That way, uh, you know. Before you go into it, that they're spoiler-free. I got your That's back. Right. We got your back here. All right. Kirk, you said it. We're talking Shazam! Fury of the Gods. You, my friend, are in line to synopse this movie in a spoiler-free way. So you got to really put your thinking cap on and uh, lead us into this review. Here we go. Billy Watson. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Take take two. (laughs) Oh, I must have had to, like, autocorrect here. Oh, for sure, because Batson isn't a real name. It's true. It's true. Here we go again. 
the exhilarating review uh, synopsis. Billy Batson, a.k.a. Shazam, and his family, comprised of his foster home siblings, is trying to balance the super life and normal life. Just as life seems to be going Billy's way, two evil gods discover the great wizard's staff and begin to unravel the world as he knows it. Can Billy hold his family and the world together, or will the fury of the gods be more than he can handle? Ooh, there's a little bit of intrigue there. I like that. Thank you. I saw the movie, and I'm intrigued. I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, when really I do, I know, I know exactly what happens, but <laughs> we uh, are going to get into it now, Kirk. I want to start as we always do with the acting performances. Um, we do have some new additions to this cast, namely Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren, Rachel Zegler, uh, among others. So Kirk, I got to know who your Oscar is going to this week. This is a very tough one. And the Oscar goes to, Mr. Zachary Levi, Mr. Shazam, Mr. Grown-Up Billy Batson himself. I was thinking about his performance in Shazam 1. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I was thinking about it and how it was so impressive and why it is still the number two DCEU film for me, uh, is that he really gives it his all. He gives it his total self And there are some really wonderful, unique moments there. And that's when he is strongest here. We love the the goofy side of him, but more importantly, we we love the human side of him. Part of the biggest reason why he is chosen as Shazam is because of his heart. Um, It's not because of his skill, because he's only 12 years old, 13 years, I don't know, maybe 15 years old when he's originally chosen. Uh, it's, It's the fact that his heart is wiser than anyone else on planet earth um i think the the great wizard uh searched for a millennia before he found billy batson so i I just love that the continuation of of that character continues to shine there are some really great moments interspliced in the comedy that tries to sell this movie that really really they should have exploited a little bit more they should have said wait a second there's moments there's when when he is still when Zachary Levi is not jumping up and down and and throwing out the jokes and trying to deliver those and execute those. There are these moments where the genuine, authentic look in his eyes is heartbreaking. And that's why the Oscar goes to him tonight. Got you, Zachary Levi. I couldn't I couldn't go there, Kirk. I. I, like you, really enjoyed his performance in the first movie. I felt like it was very thoughtful. And I thought that he really he really put himself in a position where he was, you know, along with David Sandberg, the, the director and, you know, the writers, et cetera, put him in a position to where he could really channel, uh, you know, like a 15-year-old kid and, and, and say how would that, how would this person act? And I felt like that was on point in the first movie. I did not feel that way in this movie. I felt like they went, I felt like a lot of it was the writing because they just were trying to squeeze in as many jokes per minute, which is something you alluded to Kirk. Like they were just trying to like really ham it up with the jokes. Um, But I also just felt like compared to like the actual Billy Batson Shazam doesn't feel like that character. It doesn't, you know, and I feel like again, that's mostly writing. So I don't, I don't, I don't pin it on Zachary Levi, but 
because I really didn't like what the writing did with this character, I couldn't couldn't choose it. But I, I like I like your rationale. Um, I'm going with Rachel Zegler, who is a newcomer in this movie. Uh, has just a boatload of talent. If you listen to our review of West Side Story from the end of 2021, we talked extensively about what she brings to the table. She hasn't been in that many projects yet. That's definitely changing rapidly. She's got the hunger games prequel coming up. She's been in this movie. Um, she's in a couple of different projects that are coming down the pike. She has just a whole host of abilities and, and, and talents from an acting perspective. And I felt like she really grounded this movie. I felt like, um, she shared a lot of her scenes with Jack Dylan Grazer, who I felt like, um, was just sort of sort of out of control <laughs> in, in this movie in terms of like I don't know it, it's so hard for me I, I want to know what was going on behind the camera with with David F Sandberg as he's directing this movie because so many people seem to just be like so over the top in their performances in this movie and and just like really hamming it up and and being overly zany and Jack Dylan Grazer is at the absolute top of that list. His performance as Freddie, I thought was like borderline unhinged at times. I don't know what was going on there, but the scenes that he shared with Rachel Zegler were probably, you know, some of the best of the movie as Freddie sort of takes on a bigger role in this movie and has sort of his own um, subplot and things like that with romance um, there. But I felt like, Rachel Zegler's character had depth. She had thoughtfulness. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot going on there, and lots of like twists and turns regarding her character. But she just continued to take like little small micro moments and just inject her authenticity and genuineness and the the amazing abilities we've seen her do. Like in West Side Story, um, she she really elevated this movie and and elevated her scene partners, which was, was necessary, particularly with regard to Jack Dylan Grazer, as, as I would say. But um, I thought she was a clear standout and, and did a really awesome job. So kudos, Rachel Zegler. She really is great. She really is great. She would have been my best actor. However, she didn't sing in this film, and so I'm very yeah, upset with her. that's not okay. I think it should be, you should be forced. If you cast her, mm-hmm. you should have to, you should have to have a song because she's got an amazing voice, an amazing voice. So every time, well, she's my scene stealer, Rachel Zegler. <laughs> Congratulations, Rachel. I just really loved how, uh, you know, when an actor steps onto a screen uh, of any, of any film, but especially one that's going to require full blown imagination, green screen, blue screen, the big warped uh, led screens, right? Her powers that she has in this film require her to not know anything that's happening. So I really, really appreciate how incredibly focused she was. I really, really appreciate the just uh, the the twists and turns that she doesn't let us see coming. And the power of her performance is palpable. So bravo, Rachel Zegler. Love it. My scene stealer, I'm going with someone I, I totally did not expect to go with heading into the movie, and that's uh, Helen Mirren. I'm going with Helen Mirren. I actually thought as Hespera, who is one of the two villains you've seen in the trailers, uh, her and Lucy Liu's character are sort of the like the new big bads in, in this movie. And 
you, you see this come across and, and you see the cast list and you see what the roles they're playing and you're thinking, okay, Helen Mirren, you know, she's been around. She's incredibly talented. She's been doing this for a long time. She's in full-blown paycheck mode, easy job mode, coasting. You know, she's her legacy is sealed. She There's nothing she can do at this point that's going to tarnish that. She, she has done incredible things and deserves all the accolades. And so I'm like, she's going to phone this in. But she didn't. She didn't. And she's playing, like, you know, a pretty goofy character in terms of design, like this ancient... Um, greek god person um and and so that's that's a little bit silly and so she could totally just be like listen i'm in a superhero film i'm playing a greek god i've got this huge get up i'm here with my pal lucy lou like we're hanging out (laughs) i'm just gonna kind of take it easy but no I, i thought there was intensity in her performance i thought there was there was intentionality whenever she was delivering lines she was really thinking about where she was she's just a total pro just a pro's pro and i was it was heartwarming actually to see that i I love to see that um because i don't know that i would be in that position if i was her i don't know that i'd be working my tail off but she's like you know i'm in this movie i'm gonna i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make something out of it i'm gonna give a good performance and she did good show um i enjoyed her performance i enjoyed her character and that was something i totally was not expecting heading into this one so shout out to helen mirren great job Way to be. I love the visual of, you said, uh, <laughs> Helen Mirren and her pal Lucy Lou. I just imagine <laughs> them like going and getting their nails done. Yeah, and then, grabbing and smoothies going, and going to the, you know, to just like walk around the park or something. Yeah, up to some like mischief around set, like pranking people. <laughs> yes, yes, I can see it. I honestly can envision it. Driving down Rodeo Drive, like that'd be... <laughs> Pretty funny to see those two. Yeah, don't sleep on Lucy Liu. I've slept on her my entire life after Charlie's Angels. And I recently watched uh, Lucky Number Slevin with Lucy Liu in it. And mm. I was like, whoa, this is not the person that I thought she was. Yeah, like, she, she really can bring, it. can bring it. So, bravo to uh, honorary mention to Lucy Liu. Love it. All right, Kirk, let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, we we really break down productions in two categories for anybody who's new, and that's di- uh, director shoes and showstopper. Director shoes is what we would change or the, the things we didn't like in, if we were in the director's shoes, and showstopper is the things we really did like and that sort of made the movie for us. So we're going to start with showstopper. We'll do good news, then bad news. Kirk, what you got for showstopper? My showstopper today is the family dynamic of the of the kids. They did a good job with this in the first film in that they really, they were all being introduced and they didn't know what to think of each other. And were they safe with one another and could they trust one another? And in this one, the trust is there and they really are a family, this eclectic group of kids. Uh, and now the, uh, of course, at the end of the first one, we see them all become super powered that Shazam, Billy Batson shares that power with them and, uh, energizes them in a way. And so we get to see them interact with that whole, uh, mess of life now. And it's very, it's very charming. It's, it's not forced, uh, whether they are the, the young actors or the, the grown super powered actors once they're in their, their super suits. Um, I really did appreciate how real that felt, how the dynamic felt like this one teases this one and this, this group protects the youngest one, those little, little bits that they had, they had it right. So slam dunk on the family dynamic 
at the, I don't know what to call them, uh, at the Shazam house, maybe. Shazamily. The Shazamily. Shazamily. <laughs> yes. They're the Shazamily, Kirk. The Shazamily. I think there needs to be a, a some sort of theme song to that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Shazamily is really uh, front and center in this movie. I think you could almost argue, like, or I would argue, almost to the detriment of our main character. You know, there's there's so many different characters that they're trying to balance, and they kind of, like... Um, it's good in some ways. And I think the ways you highlighted, it's good, but I almost felt like, Oh man, I, I feel like we're toward the end of this movie. And I, I don't know where Zachary Levi's heads at or what journey he's on. You know, it's, that was kind of an interesting thing, but um, there are so many bright shining stars in the Shazam. Ali, I feel, <laughs> feel like characters that you just kind of cling to and think, Oh man, they're, they're so cool. I would love to be, be a part of that dynamic. So I think that's a good call. Well, out. Cam, I've got news for you. <laughs> Shazam! <laughs> Shazam! That would be nice. That'd we be fly nice. off into the sunset. It would solve a lot of problems. It would probably add some problems, but it would solve some, you know. <laughs> it would solve some. Like cleaning out the gutters. That would be a lot easier. Um, yes. All right. My showstopper. I'm actually going to go with, the weirdly, I'm going to go with the cinematography in this movie because... Here's the thing, and we we didn't have a podcast when the first Shazam movie came out. I um, David F. Sandberg is the director, and he his background is in horror. Um, that's why there has been an Annabelle cameo in both of the last two, uh, or both of the Shazam movies. Actually, if you look closely, there's a little Easter egg uh, Annabelle um, doll. He he was responsible for some of the films in that franchise, as well as Lights Out and a few others. I was a little bit vocal after the first film to people that I talked to about movies that I really don't love his visual aesthetic, uh, particularly as it relates to VFX. I really don't like how he wants CGI characters to look in his world. Cause it's, it's now that I've seen it across two films, I know that it's a consistent piece that like he wants it to look like, it's almost like a Harry Housen animation like 2001 a space odyssey like weird claymation like almost like george lucas early star wars animation thing going on where the 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 creatures look like they're made out of clay and also just kind of move like it i don't know it's it's hard to it's hard to say but what i do like about his style and his personal aesthetic is um I'll steal a basketball term because I don't really know a better word for it. Uh, shot selection. So in basketball, they have shot selection, which is like the shots you choose to take in, in cinematography. I don't know what the exact word would be for it, but the way that he chooses to um, frame up shots and the types of uh, tactics he decides to use for certain shots. There's a lot of times, particularly in superhero movies where you see um, a lot of shots that just aren't very thoughtful I mean, honestly, we see this in the Marvel Universe a, a lot, frankly, where uh, the shots are just like, well, we have to get this scene. They don't think about, sometimes they don't think about, like, what's the story? What what point are we trying to convey here? And that's not something that I think David F. Sandberg does. I think that his visual is, for better or worse, he wants the shot to reflect what is happening in the scene and, and wants it to kind of feel that way he wants form to follow function he wants it to kind of be married in that way and i think that it works really well and i feel like horror directors are especially good at this and that's why they sometimes make the jump pretty easily to like comic book movies or um 
comedies or what have you because they they do a really good job of thinking like how am i trying to make the audience feel because the in horror you're trying to to deliver it like a visceral feel to somebody you want them to feel physically a certain way and so if you apply that same thing to a different genre um it gives you i think probably a different perspective in terms of like how do i want the audience to feel here do i want them to feel uneasy do i want them to feel like like do i want it to be heartwarming and you frame the shot up in that way and that's something i think he does really well and that was present in the first film as well as this one so i was glad to see that uh through line carry through because i think it just it adds a lot honestly cinematography all right kirk let's go to the other side director shoes what you got let me just get my excuse me get my director shoes on here Here's one, here's one of my director's shoes right here. It's a loafer. It's a loafer uh, from Target, I believe. <laughs> director's loafers. <laughs> director's loafer. Well, we're changing the entire segment, everyone, based on that. my I've got three of them. Uh, first of all comes the Billy Disconnect. So Billy Batson, a.k.a. Shazam, a.k.a. Asher Angel. Shout out for young uh, Billy Batson uh, having the first real name as my son, Asher. Um, and then we have, of course, Zachary Levi. The You know, in the first one, the jump at, at uh, 15 years old from um, being a, a teenage kid to uh, suddenly superpowered and the the overall just concept of, of the film, the feel of it, the, the energy, the atmosphere, the rules, um, it feels right. In this one, they feel like they're on very different pages. And it could have worked if they had like a connecting scene where maybe Billy is discussing that he feels so fearless when he is in the suit and so helpless out outside of it. That might have been what was internally going on. But what we see is Asher Angel, young Billy Batson is working, uh, just trying to figure out life. He, he knows that his time and foster care is almost up. He is still a little bit hesitant to trust those around him. Um, even though he loves them, he wants to hold that family together and he doesn't want to lose it. And then when he shazams it up, he is, of course, the the kind of outrageous extrovert that we know Zachary Levi to be in this role, which is great. It's a great take on the character. It is what the character should and is, uh, should be and is. Uh, but there, that disconnect there, we don't see the bridge and we need to see the bridge. The second one is uh, Shazam, like Cam said, seems like a supporting character until the third act of this film. Um, I wish that we got more of of the, the driving force. He is the title. It is his movie. Um, so we, we need a little bit more of that in, in the writing and in the scene time. Um, and then the fight scenes, the fight scenes are a little bit the same, the same tired trope that uh, all of the DC EU movies have is that the fight scenes go on a little bit too long. Think man of steel when they are just absolutely obliterating metropolis for like days before the fight is finally over. Uh, so not that long, I promise, but it's like, Oh, there goes another building, <laughs> you know, as they're fighting. And so it's like, all right, hold on, hold on. We can, we can dial back at least seven and a half minutes of this. And I think we would get the idea of the stakes of this fight. <laughs> so those are my director's shoes today. Good ones all around. Totally, totally agree with you on the disconnect between Billy Batson and Shazam. They have to be in lockstep. They cannot, 
they can't feel like different characters. That's what the first one did so well. Um, in this yes. film, they tried to just like, you know, make Shazam even more ridiculous and zany and tone Billy Batson down even more. And it just, they went opposite directions. It made no sense. I, I just don't think that worked at all. My director shoes. I've got a few. The big one for me is the writing. Holy moly. I, I thought that the writing was so cringy the majority of the time, you know, there is a lot of talk out there in the, in the Twitterverse, the metaverse, whatever verse you subscribe to, um, about, superhero films and how they, you know, especially, especially Marvel, how they try to make jokes out of everything and try to, you know, overconnect things and whatever. And I think for a long time, I have been a defender of the MCU and, and certain DC properties when they choose to go light, because I feel like when Marvel, when Marvel was at its best, the criticizing of the lightness of the tone was totally off because it was there. It wasn't as heavy handed as people say that it is. It was totally misrepresented and it was used as a keep things grounded. It was a tool to kind of make sure people knew like, Hey, we're still in a superhero movie. Like we're not taking this too seriously, whatever It, it was. It was tactically used. This movie made me feel like those people who criticize all the like, you know, making it too goofy and, and, uh, you know, over connecting things. I just, I, I just sat there the whole time and thought we've gone too far. I hate this. I wish, I wish that, you know, <laughs> I wish, I wish that somehow we could have been stopped from this point. I think somehow people, I guess in particular WB, Discovery Studio execs saw the reaction to Shazam 1 and just thought, we've got to make this thing funny. They liked it because it was funny, and they tried to squeeze in like as many one-liners as humanly possible, and I think 90% of them made me made me almost visibly wince or cringe at them. And there was there were a few legit laughs in this movie, and they would have hit a lot harder if they weren't sandwiched between a mountain of jokes that did not land at all. And I just could not stand it. I felt like the, the writing of the actual dialogue was awful. And I felt like the delivery in a lot of cases was just as bad. And I think that that was because it was just off from the beginning and, and there's no way to deliver these stupid jokes without like being really stupid about it because otherwise you just look like you're not self-aware and it, it looks bad. So I just thought from inception, the approach that they took on the dialogue and, and the like the tone of this movie was way out of whack. I think they severely misrepresented what people liked about the first one. The first one had this real, just, I don't know. It had a, it felt real. Like the actual, you felt like, yeah, this is what a 15 year old would feel like in a superhero's body. This movie did not feel like that at all. There was nothing fun loving about it. It wasn't, it wasn't thoughtful. It was just like, it was just, it was the opposite of thoughtful. It was, it was just really thrown together. And that made me really angry. Um, I mentioned the visual effects and, and how I don't really like his style of visual effects. That was definitely the case with this. I hated the seven deadly sins in the first Shazam movie. And there were even, you know, obviously the, the two villains are like Greek gods once again, and there's more, monsters and things like that that come with it and I was just like oh please enough with this and it, there's there's a lot 
going on there. And the opening scene, which features like a big Shazamily rescue sequence, looked horrible. <laughs> so bad. I could not believe how bad it looked. It was distractingly awful. And that happened multiple times throughout the movie. So that was tough to watch. Um, and then also, you know, I'm not going to give anything away, but I'll just say the the post credit scene situation just made me really <laughs> made me really take a look in the mirror and say what what have we done what what have we done as superhero fans to get us here we've gone too far was it us did we do this did we overhype things like I I was seriously like having a crisis about it on the way on the drive home I was like I don't know how we got here but I hate it and I want it to go away. And, uh, yeah, so those are my director shoes. It's true. I snuck into Cameron's car as he drove home and I watched him look in. He wasn't even watching the road, ladies and gentlemen. He just watched the rear view mirror and he said, what have they done (laughs) to Billy and Shazam? Seriously, you know that, like, spoiler alert, didn't love the movie. Um, What? (laughs) Just give you a quick tease of my score. Didn't love it. But you know that you really don't like a movie when it makes you question yourself. <laughs> That's what this movie did. I was like, why as a fan of superhero movies, have we allowed this to happen? Why have we allowed these things to go so far with the connected universes? And I actually thought for a while, like I would be okay with no more connected anything, no more franchises. Like I literally thought that that's, that's where this movie put me. And that was a weird place to be in. Honestly. Yeah, it was also weird when you materialized those tomatoes and when the, every bad joke <laughs> hit, you just shucked it at the screen. Ooh. Just absolutely smashed it against it. Yeah, yeah that was weird. Um, all right, Kirk, let's uh, let's get to final thoughts and scores. Where are you, where are you going with it? Cam mentioned make sure you stay for the mid-credit and post-credit scenes. Yes, there are two of those bad boys. You don't want to miss them, or maybe you do, um, but they will be uh, talked about very, very heavily over the next couple weeks and definitely in the future. So um, promise, promise to watch that. This is a film that's akin to Thor's Dark World and Iron Man 3 and unfortunately Thor 4 <laughs> and um, um, any of the Justice League films. They, they just don't, it just doesn't land. It didn't have a clear vision. That was, that was understood. And there are only a few things that work for this. Um, not to be totally discounted because it was a massive project. Um, looking at start to finish where the things that we see, um, the actual production, uh, that the real sets for a, for a lot of it versus, uh, again, what Marvel has done. We, we see mostly CGI, mostly LED wrapped screens in front of just like some ground that they've uh, designed, uh, a.k.a that episode of Loki that I hate where they're just running away from the planet that's exploding. But ultimately this, this film is, uh, I wish it didn't happen. (laughs) I just, I just wish that we could have continued on the success of everything good about the first one, because I really, really enjoyed the first one. Again, man of steel, number one Shazam one as my second in the entire DCEU universe. Uh, so I'm, I'm very sad. I'm very sad for the score, very sad for this film. And it comes out for me at a 4.6 out of 10 kernels. 
I feel that the the part about the first film, I'll, I'll start my final thoughts and scores with saying that this movie made me question, like, do I recall the first movie the way that I thought I did? So I legitimately rewatched it today to be like, okay, am I, what am I remembering that movie as being much better than it is? And this is actually on par with that. And no, I, I, I still think the first movie is really good. If you go and watch it, like I, I would challenge you to do this, Kirk, because I know that you had some thoughts on like the the Zachary Levi um, to Asher Angel transition. It is drastically different in the first movie for the better. In this movie, it is so far out of whack. I don't even understand. They just do not get those two. Do not feel like two versions of the same character or even remotely close, like they did in the first movie. Um, I have major, major problems with this movie. As I said, I, I think that, and, and I don't pin it on, I don't, I don't necessarily pin it on anybody except for maybe like, I honestly feel like there has to have been some sort of like Warner brothers studio involvement with this, where they're like, listen, we're going in a new direction. We need to get as much money as out of this thing as possible. We're going to really cater this thing toward the test audience, try to ham up the things that they really liked and get in, get out, and move on. And I felt like they totally misunderstood what people liked about the first movie. Like I like I said before, I think that their um, certain characters were just way out of whack. The balance between characters was way out of whack. Um, I didn't think it looked particularly good on the visual effects side, but from the from a cinematography cinematography perspective, I thought it was thoughtful and well done. I don't think that David F. Sandberg is a bad director. I just think that this movie just had a really low ceiling, honestly, from a story um, perspective, certainly a dialogue perspective. I just don't think that it had the legs to even get anywhere close to the first Shazam movie in terms of um, the the overall quality of the film. So that's, that's sort of where I'm at. I'm giving it a 3.3 out of 10 kernels not a fan. And I really did like the first Shazam movie. So, um, I was bummed, bummed that this came out this way. All right, Captain Kirk, I see you have returned for the, for the grand finale. Uh, any, you're, you're muted, but any <laughs> final thoughts you want to give, you know, uh, just any words of wisdom? Super, super, uh, muted there. <laughs> nice. I look absolutely horrifying for those of you that can only <laughs> hear this episode. This mask is six sizes too small. I already have a <laughs> large least. head, but oh my gosh, does it look like I've, I have a disease <laughs> 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 and this cape. Um, I cannot speak. You, you may have noticed the, the, the tenor in my voice is absolutely different because it is cutting off my airway. So we have to get out of here, Cam, immediately before I have to call an ambulance. That's true. I, I do kind of want to wait this out and see how it transpires, but for your own health and safety, I'll just go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and, and close out the show. So that's our review of Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Listen, the um, I I took a peek at the Rotten Tomatoes score today, Kirk, and it was not good on the critic side, but really high on the fan side. So I think we've got another classic battle between fans versus critics. I love it. I want to hear your thoughts. I, I still consider myself a fan and, and not a critic, but I guess I'm in the 15% that didn't love it, but want to hear your guys' thoughts on how it did. 
I also had burnt popcorn and was seeing this movie super late at night. Maybe I was in the wrong mindset. We got we got to know. Yeah. I got to know what your thoughts are. P- somebody check me, you know, and, and tell me, like, you're dead wrong. This movie was awesome. I'm dying for somebody to do that. Um, but alas, until that time, we'll leave you. Uh, we're going to be reviewing John Wick Chapter 4 next week. <sighs> Man, it's been a long time coming. Cannot wait for that one. But until that time, we are going to leave you with the beautiful harmonic sounds of rhetoric the band that created our original music and a thank you to our executive producer ryan spriggs thanks so much and have a great weekend we'll see you next week talk to you then